0: So on this episode of Rhymes with Orange, we're gonna talk about the total Campbell transformation from student to graduate student to employee to now student success. How do you build that process of the second you sign your letter to join Campbell University or or any school for that matter when you're 18 to when you're 22, you graduate and you say, what's next for me? Our subject in this interview is Adrian Dorsey. He was on the football team from 2014 to 18, so that's part of the story. The second part of his story is that he got his master's in divinity, so Dorsey was offered an opportunity to stick around for four years, learn in his faith, and develop as a minister, as a leader, as a spokesperson for campus and in his community. Now he was given the opportunity to come back to campus and work as an employee. So he works for the first-year orientation and student success, That group is heavily involved with all the orientations, all the initial first couple weeks on campus of getting students ready for classes, organized with professors, how to live life on a college campus. And as we dive into post COVID, that's more important than ever. How do you prepare a student for college? It's hard enough sending them to college, packing the, the, the clothes and getting everything organized, but then actually being on campus and having success. So he's heavily involved with that. Not to mention that Adrian still helps with the football team. He's one of the team chaplains and is a prayer leader who's very influential, exercising some of the fundamental things that Coach Mike Minner, he values. He values spiritual development. That football team values pregame prayers and meetings and having one-on-one conversations outside of football. So that's where Dorsey's helpful on campus and on the football field. So we dive into our conversation. This will be a fun one. With a former football player and now a man who can do it all on campus, Adrian Dorsey.
1: Honestly, I, I I tell people I was like, really, since the fall of 2014, I was an 18-year-old when I got here on campus. It was it was definitely a time where it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm still wet behind the ears. I don't know what's going on. And like now to transition to full adulthood, it's like crazy. Like 18, you know, legally you were, you you're an adult, but no, 18, you're still a kid. Like I'm a kid when I got here. So when I got here, it was just like, what in the world is life? Now I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I be an adult in life? Make adult decisions, be smart. How do I make adult money? All that kind of stuff. It's like, really, it's just that transition straight to manhood. Really. So yeah, it's been it's been a trip for the last I don't know how many years.
0: So from your playing career, because we'll start there, mm-hmm. you learn how to be an adult in terms of how to block, how to run an offense, right, like how to be an offensive line. But then under this coaching staff, you learn how to be a professional.
1: I I actually – I feel like kind of being an adult went hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, back then, we you got to realize, we weren't we were for a scholarship. Back then, we were just, you know, academic scholarships, you know, leadership scholarships. So the adulthood came once we – when the realization hit like no I'm responsible the responsibility played a big role in it um you were responsible for going to class you're responsible for you know working out you're responsible for all those things like we used to have a the thing the creed the, the the team creed I volunteered to be a member of this team it wasn't a contract really like you really were it's it's not like you were like you weren't here for a full ride nobody can hold that over you but you still had an obligation to your teammates that you would be out here making the best decisions and also go to class, put your best foot forward, you know, work hard, everything. Like, adulthood really went hand-in-hand with also learning how to block and everything like that. It's like we really – Kim, football played a big role in me growing up, seriously.
0: Well, that's neat because a lot of athletes come here and they go, well, I'm on scholarship. Mm -hmm. I want to go professional. Mm -hmm. I want to play in X league, you know, X, Y, and Z. That wasn't necessarily the case for your crop of Camels, You know, Greg True. Milhouse had an yeah. audition in the NFL and he played yeah. for a couple weeks in the preseason. But mm-hmm. outside of, let's say, one or two people, man, your future was already sort of set, which made the four years in school that much more important.
1: Yeah, we, we had. And then people like Greg, Greg, when I tell people, like, I really, like, I know what I had when I was here, like, as teammates, like, Greg was amazing. Greg, the stuff he could do. And it's like Greg, I was like, he, he was he was Ocho. Ocho was that dude. Then it was it didn't end with Greg. You got to see Aaron Blockman on a daily. Aaron Blockman, we still like the guys asked me last week. They were like, Doris, who's that number four? And I tell them I said Aaron Blockman.
0: Oh, because you see the signs in the yeah, locker room
1: oh, and the. The post, the large post him pointing at the camera, running to the end zone. Like, you who was doing that? Like Block was Block was that dude to us. He like, was
0: Debo Samuel. Thank you. Five years ago.
1: Man, when I tell you, like, I'll tell people, I was like, Block was that dude. Then you got Deshaun, Body Jones. It was like, I was surrounded by guys that you could see, like, potential in and everything. It's just, unfortunately, being non-scholarship, we didn't get that respect we deserve. Then also, it's just the competition. Even Other than San Diego – we really weren't playing at many like big-name schools. Now the guys have plenty of opportunities because the teams they play.
0: What's it like being a student on campus when you're not fully funded and then transitioning to the end of your career and mm-hmm. into your post-career getting your degrees, but moving to scholarship? Like, What was that like as a person and a player? Because it's got to be almost two different types of teams, right?
1: It is. Um, really, in, it's, it's not a knock these guys, it's really – you had a lot of guys that grew up early because, like I said, the the responsibility of becoming an adult and everything, and everybody depended on each other. Like, we needed each other to be, you know, responsible for our classrooms. We needed to check on each other and everything. And so we really – we were adults early. We had to learn how to do this thing early. Now the guys, I think – and it's it's just – you see and it's like – They have, like, you know, I work with a team. We have different people that are on staff to make sure our guys have what they need. And I promise you, it's so good. And it's like, I love to see that transition in the program because you see, like, honestly, we we joke and say, we walked so you guys could run. And we did, like, honestly. and Well, you
0: walked across a highway. Yeah, we walked across. Because the tunnel wasn't finished yet.
1: Well, when I tell you that it was the days, where we had to really look both ways. We learned really why looking both ways is important because – you walk across, what was it, 421? 421. 421, You yep. walk across 421, and they going 55 miles per hour. You, you you better be moving. You better be moving real good.
0: What do you learn as a – because you you had the unique understanding of being a player, but then also being a, a prayer leader and an inspirational mm-hmm. coach and someone they could lean on mm-hmm. after the fact. What do you try to instill in these kids now who are playing?
1: One, well, this year, like especially this year, I wanted to hit on purpose. Um, really, we got a lot of guys that, one, especially with this scholarship class, these these scholarship classes we have now, it's like, we just coming off of the number one ranked recruiting class. Now we're about to go into the next number one ranked recruiting class. And it's big. And it's like, a lot of people look at it like, what's going on? How did it happen? And it's like, I want them to realize that not only are you here, because we, we wanted you that bad. It's no, you're here. Because I feel like, honestly, somebody destined for you to be here. God destined for you to be here, and so I want them to understand that you have a purpose and you have a story, and the importance of your story will make you into the person that you were called to be, and really, I I really have always enjoyed the role of being the prayer leader, being the person that my teammates can count on, you know, if they need help, if they need a word, whatever it is, because to me, honestly, for them, when they thrive spiritually, they thrive mentally, physically, emotionally, all that kind of stuff, it's like the spiritual, the spiritual side of it is the root of it to me, and so I want those guys to feel like one, they have purpose; two, their story matters; three, they have somebody here who is just as invested in them, not just as a physical standpoint, but also a spiritual standpoint. That I will, when you call me and say, Dorsey, I need prayer for this. Dorsey, hey, can you put me put me to the side? I'm there listening to your story, listening to what's going on, because I want to make sure you're you're good. Well being is very important to me.
0: We had Reverend Louisa Ward on a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. in the last podcast, and she talked about the culture of faith on this campus, Mm -hmm. how it's expressive, it's open, it's not shoving a Bible down your throat, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's an opportunity to do it. And here on a football field where the thought of being masculine and tough and this physical specimen, and then you mix in the spiritual well-being, Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that before, and I'm curious how that plays a factor.
1: Honestly, like even with the question, like just thinking about it, like, we look at the Bible and we look at all these stories of great men who've done great things about the Bible. Those men were masculine. They were tough. We talked about warriors. They were legit warriors for God. And they had to have a spiritual side as well. And honestly, for them to be tough and to have grit, they have to know who they come from and where they come from. They have to know that I'm designed to do this. I'm, I was created to do this. You have a lot of them. like I just talked to them about Joshua, Joshua, that man was not just Moses' right hand man, but he was also the commander of his army. So it's like that man was used by God and he was tough. He was, and I don't want to say this in a bad way, but Joshua was a trained killer. He was. He was a trained killer and he he worked hard and he fought for God's people. And he had to have a spiritual side because he had to have a connection. And honestly, I feel like in what they try to do and what they want to do, you have to have a connection that's to something that's bigger than you. You have to have a connection to your creator. You have to have a connection to what you believe. There has to be some some form of faith to pull you when you don't want to do it anymore, when you don't feel like doing it anymore.
0: What was that buy-in then from Coach Minter and his staff when you as players say, hey, we want this as a bigger part of our program?
1: Ooh, I actually think Coach Mitt, Coach Mitt saw it from the beginning because when I first got here, we had um, Pastor Carey. Pastor Carey was the, um, a local pastor. I forgot the church's mm-hmm. name, but from – Pastor Carey was a local pastor and everything. And then when, because he was, I think he was active duty still. And so Pastor Carey had to move on. And then you got Michael Mm Rudisel. Rudy is very influential, I feel like, not just in Campbell football history, but also in my life, because Rudy was the beginning of, I guess, when you start seeing the players who take responsibility for their brothers, you know, being a brother's keeper. And it's like, Rudy, I learned, you know, he was like a mentor for me and everything. So I really feel like Coach Mitch started taking the series a long time ago. Like, I remember um, hearing them speak about how big Coach Men is on faith and how, you know, we really it's, – it's about knowing something bigger than you exists and being able to pull strength from that. And so I, I, I absolutely believe that Campbell football has already been invested in it. But I feel like it's making bigger strides because you start seeing a lot of players want to – they want to learn more. They want to get to know what is What is faith? What is the Bible? You know, what does the Bible talk about? What does it say about me? And so – that's why we started investing a little bit more into it.
0: You mentioned that desire for growth mm-hmm. and challenging yourself mentally. Well, you did the same thing, starting mm-hmm. your masters of divinity. Mm-hmm. You finished this past spring summer, but mm-hmm. why did you want to dive into that? Why did you want that extra degree?
1: Because um honestly, I grew up in a church where really calling and purpose, you know, you know, you have different people, they they become pastors and everything. It's people that don't go to school for that and it's just it's something they work in. For me, honestly, I want to know more. I want to know more about the Word. I wanted to know more about, you know, the art of preaching. I want to know more about diving in and being able to go through the Word and, I guess, interpret it in the Adrian Dorsey version. Like, being able to see what the Word is coming from, the context in which it was written in, and just, I want to learn more. It, 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 I just couldn't stay there. Because growing up, I was in church and everything. My mom only played out, when we was in church every Sunday. So it's like already love for church and love for ministry was already there. It's just... I wanted to dive in deeper because I believe God was telling me, like, yo, I got more for you. And really, that was, it was a big move for me.
0: So you walk across the stage mm-hmm. in May, and one, you're the center of attention because you're the largest human being in the room <laughs> and this infectious energy. And yeah. You guys are belting hymnals and, and different prayers throughout the ceremony. Yeah. Um. What was the best part of that experience for you?
1: Man, all I could think about, and even, like, the crazy thing, because they, they allowed me to do the benediction – and really, the benediction I chose, I did it off the strength of I really did not know what I was doing until it hit and I really felt like God just dropped something within me. And all I could think of was to God be the glory. And then I also, I draw from the journey. The journey started when my granddaddy, my granddaddy um, four years prior, he said he looked at me because we my sister was getting ready for it to go into her master's program. My sister went to early college. I have a twin sister. She went to early college, so she got done a little early. I had to break that down for folks because they look at, you know, twins that graduate at different times. Sure. They look at the other twin a little different. So I had to let people know that. But You he got looked, the
0: side eye at Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, what
1: like, what you doing? Like, uh, uh, hold up. Early college, regular school. Like, come on, it's a difference. So we really um, – my sister found out she was going to get her master's, and he was like, you want to get your master's? And I was like, I don't know, granddaddy. And he said, everybody should go get their master's. My granddaddy had a third grade education. Really? And I said, granddaddy, wish you get your master's? And he said, work. But his thing was, I guess my granddaddy always wanted me to go for higher and go for bigger. So that day, all I could think about was, we have spent four years leading up to this, and then... It was like the confirmation of what my granddaddy said, Go get your masters. And it was like I did what I had to do. And honestly, the biggest thing I was like, I wish he was there. I wish he was there to see it because his his grandbaby got his got the job done and it's really it just did something to me. That was a good moment. It it felt good that day.
0: It leads to now you working here yeah. in the first year experience position. Mm-hmm helping integrate the new freshmen, mm-hmm. preparing for summer orientation, which if you look on the Instagram account of Campbell EDU, you're smiling <laughs> all over it, but you do point withstanding. <laughs> when you're talking to these incoming freshmen, mm-hmm. and I've seen you with the parents, and I've seen you with the kids specifically mm-hmm. in their breakout rooms, yeah. what are you trying to inform them? How do you help them prepare for college?
1: I really, to me, I feel like a lot of people downplay the role that faculty and staff play with students and it's not just from an educational standpoint as far as support really um I thought about what I wanted somebody to tell me I thought about what some I wanted somebody to tell my mom when I was coming here um me and my sister first gen first gen um, graduates um, my parents both went to school but they didn't finish um they didn't get their bachelor's but I wanted somebody to tell my mama that we got them Everything gonna be okay, and even to this day, like my mom, like I'm a grown man, but I come from a household where my mom is like mama bear. Hmm. She don't play, she don't play, and she leaving her son in your care. She's leaving her son to work with you and be with you. She wanna make sure that her son is gonna be taken care of and he's able to thrive and grow wherever he goes. And so, I wanted somebody to assure, like me, that. So I was like, okay, what can I tell them to make sure? Because I honestly believe we have faculty and staff here to support our students, to drive them to their purpose, drive them to um, becoming all that they're supposed to be. And really, it's that connection with the students where it's like, they're amazing. I, I honestly believe each of our students, I don't know all of them, right. but I promise you, I bet you they have some form of greatness within them. And it's like, yo, how can we pull this out of you? How can we make you a greater person? How do? How can we lead you to where God has put you on this earth and you're achieving everything he has for you? And really, it's like, how can I help? How can I play in my role to do what you need me to do? So that's so really what it is.
0: We think a lot about with freshmen that mm-hmm. day the parent drops off the kid and mm-hmm. the emotion of unloading the bags and getting everything out and you know the, the tears and yeah. I'll see you in four months at, at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. But you're bringing up a unique angle of the second they make that decision to go to college, which could be December for some, probably March, you know February, kind of in the spring. Mm-hmm. So your department's really helping with when they submit that letter, until the tears of getting dropped off at the yeah. car and even beyond. But how, how vital are those five to six months when you're gearing the kid up for college?
1: It's it's a preparation that needs to be done, um, really, especially now. Now we see it because think about it we we have students that went through the pandemic while they were in high school, and so it's not just okay. How to wash clothes? How to do this? How to do that? No, it's making sure they know how to ma- take notes, making sure they they know how to you know communicate with you know higher ups, or know how to communicate with their professors, or know how to communicate with one another. And so, really, I feel like it's very vital, especially now, because these students for two years were robbed of not only say robbed. I'm not gonna say robbed. They were not. They didn't have the traditional sense of what we all had going through um, high school, and so we really kind of make sure that they make that same transition, make that same leap that everybody else has made over the last few years, and I feel like we're doing a good job of providing those things, uh, from the mentorship programs to TART and to um, the orientation experience in itself. We, we put so much work between all, I, I know everybody worked hard, we worked our butts off, and we really want to make sure students were able to feel like they were comfortable here and know that, yo, we here. We're here to make sure you, you make that jump.
0: You're pushing closer to 30 than you are 20 now. Man, yeah. <laughs> and the question leading into that is, one, to remind you, but, two, where does the infectious energy come from even the X amount of years removed from school?
1: Man, it's really – the energy – I've always been that one. Um, out of – both, so me and my sister, Aaron's the more serious one. We're we're nuts. We we clown, man. We clown, but Aaron's the more serious one. I'm the one that you at church, Evan. I'm cutting up at church. I'm, really? I'm supposed to be ushering at church, man. I'm I'm in the corner, in the front corner of the church. Everybody can see me. Let something happen in church where it's like, oh Lord, don't look at me because I'm gonna be busted out laughing in the corner. I'm that one, and really the energy is like it's just joy, bro. Like. I really don't have nothing to be like sad about. I don't have anything to be hurt about or upset about. Really, I'm really one of the people that say I have so much to smile about. I have way more to smile about than I have to frown about or be upset about. Like really, it's just that that knowing that somebody loved me so much that he he blessed me and he he has shown me so many things and taken me so many places. I ain't got no choice but to smile and just be happy, bro. And then bring the juice, bring the energy.
0: That excitement about life uh-huh. is something that people here at Campbell, we try to sell, sell is a tough word, uh-huh. we try to promote to high school students and yeah. transfer students of yeah. why you should come here. Uh-huh. Now, it's hard to explain in 45 seconds, yeah. and that's why we have a podcast, yeah. because you've lived it, I've worked it now for seven to eight years, you've uh-huh. been a student for eight years. Yeah. How do you explain the culture that's here? Because it is, it's not necessarily something you can write in a sentence. It uh-huh. does take a while to break that all down.
1: I, I tell people, I, I tell people, one, like you said, I've been here for eight years, and I saw the things that happen in the world, and I feel like the world has helped evolve, like can we evolve. Um, I, I was here, I was here during the social justice uh, movements. So I was here during the pandemic. I was here um, during elections, all that kind of stuff. Man, I've seen so many things, and I feel that Campbell has made strides to become different and become better, and we're not where we want to be at. And I love that. I love the fact that we recognize that we have so many things to do and so many things that we can offer and become, you know, just to become who we're supposed to be or who we're trying to be. And it's like we're working to get there. And really, if I if I can tell the students, if I can tell these incoming students, it's like though we are not where we want to be, we are making those moves to become where we want to, where we want to go or get to where we want to go. And really – it's, the culture is it's just that. Like, if you see, we have students from all walks of life. We have students from overseas. We have students from the country. We got students from the city. We got students from the East Coast. We got students from the West Coast. We got students from all over. So you're not going to come here and just find your common, you know, common community. That all changes when you come to Camden University. Um, I know that's kind of like the spill of everybody, but I feel like, That's our spiel right now, especially when you've been in the classroom with so many people from different places and everything and you're getting to know people's stories. You realize that, yo, we're different. And it's like that's what makes us beautiful. Like we talk about the tartan. We talk about the thread. All of us play a uh, a role in what we are. Like the, the big quilt, the big tartan that we are, all of us represent a thread. And it's like our threads are different. But yet we come together to make our family tartan. And it's dope. It's dope, man.
0: I love that word, too, because it, it's an enthusiastic word. Yeah. You know, and some people use dope in, in the negative context or nah. in the whatever. But I, I think that actually does explain it perfectly because it's, it's moving forward. It's yes. positive. It's There's an excitement to it.
1: Yeah. And it's like, really, man, it's like to see what, what Dr. Creed and to see what the state Because when
0: you started here, there was Kitchen Hall. Burn. And now that's 100,000 square foot. Student union and meeting area.
1: I'll tell you, like, it was so different. And then it's so many people that before, like, you know, people that would come on homecoming, you know, old football players that would come and they say, yo, we didn't have all this. And it's like, now that I can be able to say, yo, we didn't have all this. Like, the union wasn't, like, that was two dorms. And then even something as big as Chick fil A. Chick fil A looked different back then. All that kind of stuff. Like, we really have taken so many, so many steps to become a A greater school. We've always been a great school, I feel like. But become an even better school and become a greater school and offer students a whole lot more than what we got before. Like, we we, we want people to really come here and get the full experience, but also get the better experience each year.
0: We were coming off a homecoming weekend when we taped this podcast. So you probably spoke with a bunch of alumni, both football and campus-wide. What was their biggest take on the differences or maybe the improvements from when they were on campus to what they see now?
1: Man, we we always say everybody always say like wow, like wow. One, the old heads always come, especially we talk about we bought up the union. They go in that union, and be like, hmm, we ain't have none of this. Like everybody, joke, we always joking about it. like, oh, wish we had a union, all that kind of stuff. But it's just, it's just you see where we're going, and I feel like everybody's proud to say like yo, I went to Campbell University, and like Campbell is really out here doing some stuff in the community. They're doing stuff in the world, and then. Even if I talk to the young guys, I'll be like, yo, get connected. I'll talk to any of the freshmen, anybody, like, yo, get connected with those who came before you because you have no idea what doors they can open for you. So it's always cool to reconnect and see the old alumni and see people, you know, get a chance to talk to people and everything, hear their Campbell experience and everything and just talk and joke and – Shoot, you might get you a plate at home, coming and everything. <laughs> All that. It's just, it's always cool to connect with um, family. It's always cool.
0: I'll admit, I got some wings from Harold Butts and See? his family See? in the the back of the tailgating lots. We're going to
1: make sure you eat. Oh, be, yeah. We'll be gonna fed. Make sure. You're going to be fed. You come down here. I've been
0: on those pregame trips with football, whether at the fancy hotels and Man, the spread comes out.
1: You know, we actually talked about that. We said when the spread come out, we'll actually compare who had the best food experiences. Top two, in my opinion. We went to Grinder and we went to North Alabama.
0: Oh, just to. this past year.
1: Yeah, actually, cause we went to North Alabama in t- nineteen. Oh, then we went this and it's like it didn't fall off. It was like, oh, North Alabama just owned it. They always own it. And food was always good. You got me talking about food on grinning right now. Well,
0: Dorsey, you're six three and don't we? And you know, you weigh more than me. Let's put We're it that
1: way. I'm more than a lot of people. Way more than a lot of people, man.
0: And yet that teddy bear persona yeah. has allowed you to transition from eight years of school yeah. into a job on campus that when you started here probably you didn't realize existed Mm-mm. or had very faint ideas of. Yeah. What kept you around or what made you want to stick here and, and be a part of what's going on at Campbell?
1: is my love for – actually, it's my love for the students, man. Like being one of them, being a student, and then also getting to know – the ones that come, you know, after me and everything, like, I love the mentor role. Being able to take somebody under your wing and be like, yo, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, getting on the by to um, pushing them, um, celebrating them, all that kind of stuff. And then also, Campbell's served me and done amazing things in my life. And I just wanted to, I, fe- I felt like I had something to offer the university. I felt like I could really do something for the university. And I didn't know what. But then when the opportunity came, it happened. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can do something with this. And it's like, really, I always wanted to be that person where students could feel comfortable to come talk to, um, you know, express anger, express sadness. But also, if you need a laugh, man, I, I'm here. I love to laugh. I love having a good time. But this job really helped me be who students need me to be, mentor, Um boss with the Tartan, all that kind of stuff. Like, I really was able to just work with students, and I dove right into it, and I enjoyed every second of it. Like, I really do love working with the students and being able to help them in their journey and becoming who they're supposed to be.
0: Can we talk some football, too, on this podcast? Let's
1: do it. You know I can do that all day. Let's do it.
0: So, Dorsey, you have known Mike Minner for, I guess, eight to nine years. years. And and he started a year, basically, within a year of you getting here. Mm Mm-hmm how how has the football program transformed now i know scholarships, scholarships is one yeah stadium enhancements with the strength and conditioning room mm-hmm. and you know a nicer press box and yeah. new recruits you know the, the things you superficially see yeah but for people who just look at records or look at stats and say okay that's one side of it mm-hmm. how has the culture how has the the brotherhood if you will of football maybe grown in your 9 years here
1: Man, when I tell you, it's been different, and I, and I and I tell people this. I was like, we've had talented teams before. Evan, you've seen them. Like we've had so many talented teams. We talked about earlier, Greg and Deshaun and Block, Daniel Smith. It's so many I can th- Rocky. All the like, it's so many different great players that I can throw out there. Jack Ryan. All them. All these guys. Chris Bailey. It's just it, the list goes on and on. We've had great talent. Carlos Merritt. Carlos Merritt. That is my captain. That is my captain. Uh, B Um uh, Shoot. Shoe. Schuler. Um, Austin Fleming, like it's we've had so many great players. Mobley, I, I I came. I'm not even going to stop. I'm gonna stop. Jared Joyner, That's my last one. But it's As really. He says he's gonna stop. Just yeah, yeah. I can't. I can, I still got so many players coming to mind. But the thing is, we've had so many great players come through this program. And honestly, the difference is, I really feel like now, and we we have teams, we had teams that would try to buy into what Coach Mint was preaching and teaching, and. Somewhere along the way, we just fell off. I don't know if we just let go. I don't know what it was. Now you see, and a lot of people think it's talent. They think it's the recruiting classes. And I feel like the recruiting class, like these young boys are fire. When I tell you, these young boys are fire. Knock is going to be a problem. Um, Miles Rouser is who he is. P3, Paul Hudson III is going to be a problem. Um, Josh Noble is a big problem. These guys, and when i tell you there's so many more that you guys have not been exposed to yet, yet. But when I tell you these guys don't just tell the story about what's going on because I feel like people look at the recruiting class, they think, oh, that's why they have having so much success. No, the story's been written with the guys who've been here and they've said, you know what, they've seen us fall off. They've seen us let go. And they said we can't do that no more. The story's been written. That I feel like the team that we have now – is where the talent the grit the teamwork the leadership is all meeting Julian Hill um Hosh Malik Williams Dorian Jones Josh Johnson um Brev Allen Big Mike Tyler Burt Huge Mike Huge Mike when I t- Oh that's a joke I said people always say a bit Dorsey No 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 Big Mike is Big Mike that's big People, you don't know. And he
0: that's 6'7", 350-ish.
1: Ish, ish. That's a hard ish, too. And the thing is, people don't know he's one of the best athletes you'll ever meet in your life because when he opens up, man, it's like, phew. It, Big Mike is huge and the boy can move. He's an NFL prospect for a reason. I'm just going to say that. But all these guys, and, and there's so many more on this team, Austin Height. Um, it's so many guys who are bought in. And they've been here from the get-go. I think a lot of this COVID thing was a blessing. Like, COVID really, it was a blessing that came out of it. Yeah, it took some time away from us. We had to come back. We had to learn. It it hurt society, but there were blessings to come out of it. And honestly, I feel like it blessed us with the opportunity to have so much leadership on this team that we have now. Um, When I tell you these guys, they are – So talented. And the thing is, they control the board. They control everything. They control the table. They control everything. I I really feel like they can can run the board for real on everybody because they're just that talented. And the thing is, it's off what they do. How we go, what we do is off of them. And we really see where all the stuff Coach Mitt has been teaching over the last 10 years is coming into fruition and it's like, oh, everybody's just going off. Everybody going off right now.
0: Well, it's like untapping a, an incoming freshman Yeah. That you and your staff do. There, there's clearly potential uh-huh. with the team. There's clearly growth opportunities with this school. Yes. And it takes a combination of leadership, yep. vision, mm-hmm. pillars. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. You don't want to just float down the river and not know where you're going. No. You need some things to, to reach for. Mm-hmm. And then passion. And that started to come together. I mean, both – Across the street, yeah. where we filmed this we filmed this podcast by the baseball stadium. Yes. We've seen what they've done. Yes. Sort of as the the guiding sail, if you will, mm-hmm. for everybody else. And then now football has said, you know what? We don't want to go 3-8 and eight anymore. No. And we want to be a team that can, at the worst, be a trend-setting playoff team. At the best, try to do what James Madison has done and, and become an FBS top 25 when team. When I
1: tell you, and that's the thing, when I, and the sad part was, and I tell you – I. The last – when I had to go – being in Chapel in front of those guys before that last game was the toughest thing because I felt their pain and I felt where they were coming from. Three and eight did not tell the story of that team. If you look at that team from top to bottom, ain't no way there's a three and eight team. You look at this team, this team, oh, my God, they scared. And it's like – it's new. It's the new additions, not just the freshmen, but it's the transfers. You got easy, easy stepped in. Easy came from Iowa State and bought in. A work ethic. And when I tell you, easy grinds. He goes hard. We got guys like Aaron Maddox who last year. easy is Ezra Anderson, yes, by the way. Yes, 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 yes. We got uh, Aaron Maddox. Ace, Ace transferred in. Last year was hit by the injury bug a little bit. And now you see where it's like Ace is just a dog. He's a dog, man. He out there going off, just knocking dudes out and everything. And it's like you really see these guys
0: and everything, and it's just – how do football players blend in a, in a smaller campus? Like, how do they – how do you guys interact with everybody else?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, one, I feel like the thing is when you got guys that, are like –
0: Because at USC where I went, uh-huh. or at NC State, yeah. you can hide on a campus you can. of 30,000 people. There's nowhere to hide here.
1: No. And that's the thing. And it's like, really, I, I feel like the community does a good job with accepting a lot of – like, a lot of a lot of the community does a good job accepting the guys because, like – Really, you know, everybody – I feel like you talk to – because I've had friends, one of my best friends went to Clemson. You don't really hear him talk about, oh, what we did with so-and-so or they tagged along with us. You don't hear about that. Now you got guys who are like, you know, hey, y'all want to come talk to you? Y'all can come talk to us. And that's the thing. It's like our community is not that big, so it's like everybody has to be accepting of everybody. And it's like everybody has to find their place here on campus. And it's like really – if you really want to know, those guys are some of the nicest people you'll meet. I'm telling you, they're the most chill guys sometimes. You would get the best laughs being around these these dudes. Like, y'all, people people don't understand that I feel like the small community helps our university thrive so much because yo, like that whole jock thing, that whole old clique thing, it doesn't it doesn't work here cuz everybody we're too small to do that. If we really did that, it would be like, yo, what are we doing? <laughs> Like, what's the community? Where What are we doing? Where are we going as a Campbell community as a whole? And it's like, now you see guys who, not just the football players are accepting of other people, but other people are accepting of the football team. Where it's like, yo, y'all can come talk to us. It's cool. You want to eat lunch with us? Come on.
0: My last thing. How would you describe Campbell University in a thought, in a sentence, Shh. in a 30-second elevator pitch, if you will?
1: Mm. The Asian-Dorsey version. Okay, Campbell University, for me, home. Campbell is the place I became an adult. Campbell's the place where I learned, I grew, I flourished. Um, Campbell is a place where my mind was able to wonder and was able to think and come up with my philosophy for life and my philosophy for faith, all those different things. Campbell's a place where someone can come and, you know, it's, it's the joke, you can go where everybody knows your name. Oh, uh, but legit, it's like, it's just like cheers, episode of cheers. You can go, sometimes you got to go where everybody knows your name. When I can walk on campus and I can see some of my old professors and we can just kick, kick back and laugh because they knew me. They knew Adrian as a person. They didn't see me as, oh, that's just one of my students. No, they knew who Adrian Dorsey was. And honestly, I tell people, I was like, you have that here. That's just part of our sense of community, knowing who we are, knowing who our students are. And by knowing them, not just knowing their name, but also knowing where they come from, their stories, and seeing the value within them and their potential. That's what Place Campbell is. We see value in who the person is. We see value in their story. And we also see their potential. And we try to push them towards that.
0: I love your perspective, Dorsey, Mm because you went here as a student. Mm -hmm. You spent time as a master's student getting your master's in divinity. Mm -hmm. You're now spending time as a teacher and as an inspiration. Because your title's one thing, right? But you're influencing these freshmen and and helping them become acclimated to campus, along with Mm -hmm. students currently on campus, too. Yeah. But I do want to ask you one more thing.
1: What's up, man?
0: On senior day, this was almost four or five years ago now. What's up? The largest and most pounding hug I've ever seen with your head coach when you came out for senior day. You lifted an NFL player off the ground.
1: Yeah. It was – (laughs) it's <laughs>
0: you still scare him to this day.
1: I don't scare him. I don't scare him. He scared me most because I've seen the videos. That man, that man can knock the wind out of you. He do what my granddad say, knock the grits out of you. So I, I seen the videos. I bet Coach Mitt really could still strap it up and do the same thing. Pop, hit you on the chest. But that that hug, and even the hug I did with Dr. Creed, like those hugs come from the years that I spent with those guys. It's like. Dr. Creed got here my sophomore year and it was just, thank you. Thank you. Like, because think about it, we had that man doing do rad day. (laughs) My senior year, like, like Dr. Mint was never, I mean, Dr. Um, Creed was never that guy that we couldn't go talk to. He was never that guy where you couldn't address him on campus. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't say, hey, Dr. Creed, how you doing? Then I love the fact that his swagger was, I'm gonna sit outside the president's box. I ain't gonna sit in the box. I'm gonna sit outside with the students. Then Coach Mint, Coach Mint, and I tell people Coach Mint has been one of the biggest blessings to my life as a person because he gave me a chance as a high schooler. Um, Honestly, I did not know I was going to play college football. I was expecting just to go to school, and Coach Mint gave me a chance. And then after that, he gave me value on the team. I was not a starter. I tell people all the time I am not – I was not one of the top, like, oh, I'm Adrian Dorsey, starting off. No, I wasn't. That wasn't my story. My story came with how can I help my team get better? How can I bring value to my team? And part of that was my spiritual spiritual background and my belief and my faith. And so he gave me a chance to do that. And then he blessed me even in my chaplain position. Like, Coach Mint was a huge blessing and did so many things for me. And, honestly, that hug – I felt like at that time, because this is before I got, became a chaplain, that hug was my thank you. And even, like, to this day, I always look at him and I was like, what up, boss man? I give him the boss man because mm-hmm. I love that dude. Like, I love Mike Minner. I tell people all this. That's a cra-. Another thing, that's a side note. People always say, like, yo. Like, I've had people like, that's Mike Minner. And I'll be like, yeah, that's Coach Minner. Like, yeah, that's Coach me He's, like, one of the easiest people to talk to. He funny as I don't know He is so funny. His little one-liners are good. Man, (laughs) Coach Mick, funny as all the way, right? He always got, he quick, too, with it. Like, we was eating breakfast, he was just quick. I was like, man, it don't make no sense but he just said. But that dude, he has been a huge blessing to me in my life. And my mom, my sister, my, my family, my entire family, we appreciate everything he's done for me, really. So that's where that hug came from. And I don't know when it's all said and done, he gonna get a he gonna get a big hood. Then it's like, man, I just I appreciate Coach Man, I do.
0: Well, we appreciate you, Adrian Dorsey. Thanks Thank for you. jumping on the podcast. <laughs>